Happy Easter. You're listening to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Eric Roges, and I'm the executive pastor here at Rolling Hills. This Easter Sunday, we're rounding off our Easter series as we celebrate what this day is really all about. Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection were all according to God's purpose. Jesus came to us and defeated sin and death to bridge the divide between sinful man and a loving, just God. It doesn't matter how much we've fallen short in life because Jesus has paid the price for each of us personally. All we have to do is accept his invitation. We're so excited to share the promises of Scripture and the love of Jesus with you today. Let's listen in. Who is this Jesus? He claimed to be the savior, the one the world had been waiting for. His arrival was celebrated, but then everything changed. He was rejected, despised, tortured, crucified, buried in a tomb. Yet in this act, the work was revealed. The promise was fulfilled. He defeated death, rose from the grave, and the world would never be the same. Who is this Jesus? He is who he said he is. He is our savior, our hope, and he is alive. Oh, well, good morning, good morning, Holy Hills Church family. It's Easter, man. Woo! Turn to somebody and just say Happy Easter. Would you just turn to somebody and just say Happy Easter? Awesome. Man, it is so good to be in the house of the Lord today. So welcome right here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to everybody who's joining in online. What a great morning already. I mean, baptisms and seeing dads and moms baptizing their sons and daughters and to see brothers baptizing. I mean, I just love it. I'm already fired up. So it's exciting to see what God's doing because our Savior is alive. Jesus has conquered death and made a way for all of us to experience eternal life. It is Jesus that we've come to celebrate Today, you know, I love Easter. I just love everything about Easter. And we yesterday we had a big egg hunt over here on the field. A helicopter came. There's so many kids running around, and it was just exciting and fun. And everybody looks so nice today, and all dressed up, and pictures, and Easter baskets, and bunnies, and all those things. But the real reason for Easter is why we're here right now. The real reason for Easter is because Jesus conquered death. Jesus, our Savior, is alive, and we want to worship him today, and I am so glad, so glad that you're here. And you know, it was several years ago, and uh, we were taking the kids to see grandparents in Texas. So we were flying from here, from Nashville to San Antonio, Texas. Uh, my daughter, Kate, our youngest, was a baby at the time, and so we had a baby, we had a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Now, if you're a parent, you ever travel with a baby or kids, it's like moving, right? I mean, it's like, you know, you got strollers and car seats and you've got clothes and you're just figuring out everything. And, and here we are and we're going packing and trying to get everything ready. And, and, and you know, because we've got snacks and we've got the portable DVD player for the plane because we don't want to be those parents, right? <laughs> so it's like, we're doing everything we can to like, maybe we're going to have this great experience. We're going to have this great time at grandparents. And so I'm going through making sure everybody's got boarding passes and and we pack up, and we head to the airport, and we get to the airport, you know, and I'm, I'm just looking around. I'm going, dude, I'm a pretty good dad. I mean, check it out. Like, you know, everybody's healthy. Everybody's happy. We got all the kids. I got all the boarding passes. Everybody's doing good. This is great. You know, I'm going to be a travel agent. That's what I was kind of thinking, you know, and I'm looking around. And then after I got the cart, and I'm putting everything on the cart, and then I realized I forgot my suitcase. 
<laughs> I, got, I got everybody else. Everybody's happy. And I'm like, I have no suitcase. I just got nothing. I, like, I can't believe I just did that. And here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes at Easter, we can be worried about everybody else. Right? We can be sure that, man, we got lunch going. We got, you know, the in-laws coming, the outlaws. You know, we've got everything that's happening with bunnies and baskets and dresses and all this stuff. And sometimes we can forget about us. But here's the good news of Easter. Easter's about Jesus, but it's also about you. And God has a personal message for you this Easter. God wants to say to you, hey, I want you to know. I don't want you to miss it. And my son has come. And you have life, and you matter to God. That's what Easter is about. Hey, if you've got a Bible, I want to invite you up with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark, second book, New Testament, right? You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels all talking about Jesus. We're going to be in Mark. We're going to be at the end of Mark. And so I just want to encourage you, if you have a Bible, great. If you don't, that's all right. Maybe you've got a mobile device. If you're watching online, you can go to our Rolling Hills app, and we've got the scriptures for you there. But I want you to see what unfolds today here on this Easter Sunday. Now let me set it up for you, okay, because we've been in this great series talking about who is Jesus and what it means to know and follow Jesus. And so we see that Jesus came. He lived 33 sinless years. He goes around, does all these incredible miracles. In fact, if you want to know more, just start reading the book of Matthew. You can read a chapter a day and Tells you all about Jesus. And you see the miracles they did. And he healed people, restored people. And the love and grace. I mean, just unbelievable. And, and so he has this huge following all throughout Palestine area. And now, at the beginning of Holy Week, he comes into Jerusalem. And he comes in on the back of a donkey, right? And he's making a statement. It's this messianic prophecy, this fulfillment, that the Messiah would come in to Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And so the crowd's going crazy. I mean, the Jerusalem has swelled to over 2 million people. It's the Passover feast. They grab palm branches, and they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, written hundreds of years before, are fulfilled in Jesus. I mean, the probability is astronomical, okay? But, but there all the crowd is going crazy. And Jesus makes these statements, right? He says, I am the Son of God. I am the Son of God. And so the religious leaders are like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, we, we see that you're a prophet, you're a great teacher, you're a healer. But son of God, hold on, that's a different level. And so the religious leaders arrest Jesus. Now, for all of us, we've got to make a decision about what we believe about Jesus. Right? C.S. Lewis said Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. I mean, Jesus didn't leave it up to like, hey, I'm just a, a good man, or hey, I'm a prophet. No, he basically said, I'm the son of God. So religious leaders take him and they arrest him and then they hand him over to the Romans. And they hand him over to the Romans because the Jews can't breathe out capital punishment at this time. It was the Romans who were in charge and so they hand him over to Pilate who's the Roman governor. And Pilate is looking face to face with Jesus and he's having this moment of going, you're a miracle worker, you're amazing, but, but everybody's telling me, right, that you should be crucified and Pilate's kind of stuck here. He doesn't know what to do. And even Pilate's wife says, have nothing to do with him. He's an innocent man. And Pilate wants to believe. But then we saw where it says in Mark 15 that Pilate, wanting to satisfy the crowd. And how many times do people turn away from Jesus because they're wanting to satisfy the crowd? And so Pilate wants to satisfy the crowd. He hands Jesus over to be crucified. And Jesus is taken in Mark chapter 15 and he's nailed to a cross. 
He's nailed to a cross for your sins and for my sins. And he's on that cross. And there's people all around watching this, but the disciples, they scatter. They're afraid because they think they might be arrested. And, and the Romans are going to come after them. And so they run away. And Jesus on that cross dies on that cross. And we saw in Mark 15 when Jesus died on that cross, man, the whole land went dark. There was darkness that covered the land. The temple curtain, which was 60 feet high, was torn in two from top to bottom. We also know that from the other gospels there was an earthquake that happened. And the Roman centurion who was there at the cross looked up and said, surely he's the son of God. Jesus' body's taken down and it's put into a tomb. And that's Friday. And what do you do with a dead Jesus? <laughs> the disciples who've spent three years following him now, all hope is gone. The whole country who had hoped that he was the Messiah it just seems like it's over. But it's never over with God. And that was only Mark 15. Because today is Easter. And today we're looking at Mark 16. There's more to the story. That was Friday, but today is Sunday. So look at this, Mark chapter 16. Look what happens on that Easter Sunday. It says, verse 1, when the Sabbath was over, Shabbat, that's Saturday, right? The Sabbath. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. I, I love that the women were so faithful. You know, the men kind of took off. They were scared, right? They were running away. But the women were faithful. They were there. They were coming to anoint Jesus' body, aren't you thankful for the faithful women in your life? Man, tell them. Maybe you've got a mom or grandmom or an aunt or somebody who prayed for you, just prayed for you. Let them know. But here they are, these women coming to anoint Jesus' body. And it says very early on the first day of the week, right now, Sunday, just after sunrise in the morning, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? You see, back then, right, if you were wealthy, you were had a tomb inside of a mountain, you know, and they would roll a huge stone in front. And so Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy man. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He believed Jesus was the Messiah. So he put Jesus in this tomb, and they rolled this huge stone in front. The Romans came and put the Roman seal on the stone, saying if anybody moves this stone, they should die, okay? And then they put Roman guards there, and the Romans were good at killing people. And so nobody's going near this stone, right? And so the women come up to anoint Jesus' body, and they're thinking, oh, yeah, the stone, what are we going to do about the stone? Maybe there's a stone in your life. Maybe there's something that just kind of seems insurmountable. Maybe there's a worry or a fear. Or maybe there's a problem in your marriage or a problem with a child. And you just think, man, there's no way this is going to move. But I want to tell you, Easter shows us God still moves stones. God still does miracles. Never give up when God's around it says, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. They come up, and the stone has already moved. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. They walk into the tomb, and they're expecting their Jesus' body, but Jesus isn't even there. They see an angel, a white man dressed in this robe right there, this white robe, right, this angel of light, radiating light. See, a lot of times we think about angels. And we think that they're babies with little wings and, you know, a halo. No, 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 no. They are warriors of light. I mean, just radiating the beauty and the perfection. And here's this angel sitting there in this white robe. And he says, don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. I think he's been practicing that line for a long time, right? He's like, I'm ready to go. He has risen. He is not here. 
See the place where they laid him? And now look at verse 7. Guys, this is so important. Look at verse 7. But go tell his disciples and Peter. What? Go tell his disciples and Peter. Wasn't Peter one of the disciples? Why don't they just say, go tell the disciples? Why does he have to add, and Peter? Why does he say, go tell his disciples and Peter? Well, think about this. Remember Peter? Peter had followed Jesus for three years. Peter had staked his whole life on this, right? He knew Jesus was the Messiah, and he was going to follow him. And, and Jesus began to tell the disciples before this Holy Week happened. He said, guys, listen, I'm getting ready to go to Jerusalem. I'll be handed over. I will be killed. But after three days, I'll rise again. And Peter's like, no way, Jesus. I'm going with you, man. I'm going to stand by you. I will fight for you. And Jesus goes, really? After I'm arrested, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Three times. Peter's like, no way. I would never do that. Sure enough, when Jesus is arrested, Peter's kind of lurking around in the dark. He doesn't want to be found out. He's scared. He's worried. And somebody comes up and goes, hey, weren't you with him? No way, not me. Somebody else goes, hey, you're a Galilean. Weren't you with him? No, not me. And then a slave girl, hey, I saw you with him. And Peter's like, no, it wasn't me. And right at that time, Jesus is walking out of being with the religious leaders. He's coming across the pathway over to the Roman soldiers. And he looks down and he sees Peter. And Peter breaks. He weeps. He runs away. He's broken. And the angel goes, make sure Peter knows. Make sure the disciples know, but make sure Peter knows that that's not the end of the story. Make sure Peter knows what God's doing. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. Just like Jesus said, he would conquer death. Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, it changes everything for Peter and for you. Hey, if you're taking notes today, I want to invite you to write some things down. I don't want you to miss this today. It is so important. If you have a worship guide, you're here at Franklin Campus. If you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app. There's some blanks that you can fill in. But man, I want you to see this because Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, this is what it means for us today. Look at this. Number one, it means this. You are valuable. You are valuable. Guys, it says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that might go anoint Jesus' body. You know, back then, women had very little rights. They just did. A woman's testimony wouldn't even really hold up in a court of law. And yet these women were faithful. They had followed Jesus a long time, and they were faithful. And I think God goes, hey, just come on in and see the tomb. See the empty tomb. I want you to get, get to see this. Jesus did more for women's rights than any person in history. And man, the women come, and when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. God's going, get to check this out. My son. God gave his son for you. You know, if you're a parent here, the most precious thing to you, right, of all the things you have, all the things you own, the most precious thing to you is your child. And think about this. Sovereign God who's sovereign over all the entire world, who holds all the worlds in his hands, who has all the riches. And yet, what did he give for you? His son. His son. Jesus came and lived 33 sinless years. He died on a cross for you. 
You are that valuable to God. You matter that much to him. Look at this. We all need a Savior. We all need a Savior. Peter needed a Savior. Peter's broken. He thinks life's over. He thinks, you know, I've blown it. God's mad at me. No. God had a plan for him, and God's got a plan for you, but we all need a Savior. We all need a Savior. See, there's a holy God, and there's sinful man, and there's a separation, and the price has to be paid. Now, some of us, we think, well, I'm really not that bad. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I've done a few things, but I'm really not that bad. Like, I haven't murdered anybody or something like that. But ever you go to the doctor, do you ever sit down and you're filling out that health form, right? And you're like, well, I don't have that disease. I don't have that disease. I don't have that disease. You're like, I'm pretty good, right? I'm like, I'm rolling along here. I don't have that. I don't have that. And then you go, oh, I do have that. <laughs> I got that. I'm at the doctor for a reason. And what we realize is, man, we all need to save. We've all sinned. We could have lived perfect lives, right? But no, we've sinned. And because of that sin, the price has to be paid. And either we pay it. Or Jesus paid it. And Jesus paid it for us. God invites you into a personal relationship with him. Guys, don't miss that. It's a personal relationship. And maybe you've also thought it was about religion. Maybe you grew up in a tradition where it was like, you know, if I can just be good enough. If I can do my good works and maybe God will accept me. If my good outweighs my bad, maybe God will go, wow, you're pretty good, right? No, 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 no. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done. It's not about us being good enough to get to God. It's about God coming to us and inviting us into this relationship. Knowing God and following Jesus with our lives. You, you know the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. You can put your name right there. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's for you. It's for you. You matter to God. You are valuable to him. Peter was valuable to him. You know, when you fly on a plane, right, the, the flight attendants always give that safety speech. And they come up and they say, in the event of a loss of cabin pressure, plastic masks will fall from the ceiling. Place a mask over your nose and mouth and begin to breathe normally. The bag may not inflate, but you will be receiving oxygen. If you're traveling with a small child, place the mask over your nose and mouth first and then over your child. You remember that? Been on a few flights, but anyway, but, but you know, they do it a lot better than I do. But, but why do they say, why do they say, place the mask over your nose and mouth first and then over your child? Because I want to tell you, if you're a parent here or a grandparent, you, you're immediately going to think when those masks come down, get this mask on you, right? Get this mask on you, make sure it's breathing right, make sure you're breathing normally, make sure it's inflating. You're going to be worried about them. But what do the airlines know? If you're not healthy, nobody's healthy. Right? If you're not healthy, your, your child or the people around you. And see, this is what God knows. God wants you to have this relationship with him because he values you. But he also knows when you get this relationship right with God, you know, then you can make a difference in the lives of others. You can be the husband or the father God created you to be. You can be the wife or the mom. You can be the student. You can be the man after God's heart. You can be all that God created you to be because you are valuable and God wants you to be healthy. And God wants you to know that God has a plan for you. God loves you. Look at that. That's this one. You are loved. You are loved. That's what the resurrection tells us. You are loved. Man, don't we all want to be loved? Look, don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen! Exclamation point. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. 
hey, God makes a way for you to experience his love and grace. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through me. No man comes to the Father but through me. But I'm making a way for you. The narrow gate. Trust me. Follow me. Accept me as your Lord and Savior. Here's the thing. It's about him. Look, God's love is different from man's love. Man's love is so conditional, isn't it? You do what I want you to, I'll love you. <laughs> you respond the way I want you to, and hey, we'll, we'll talk about this, but I'll love you. You know, we are so conditional, and that's why there's struggles in marriage many times. Right? Instead of just loving unconditionally, we, we've got these conditions, and we put that in, but God calls us to love and love our kids and love the people around us. That's the life God calls us to. But man, we can see man's love, but God's love's different. God's love is unconditional. It's unconditional. It doesn't matter, right, what we've done. God still pursues us. God still loves us. Hey, Peter, I know you denied me three times, but hey, I want you to know that I'm alive. I want you to know I'm not giving up on you. I want you to know I care about you. It's unconditional. It's transformational. And the Bible says perfect love drives out fear. Isn't that true? When you know God loves you, what do you have to fear? Sovereign God over all, perfect love drives out fear. Fear, and it's eternal. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's what God wants for you, to understand your love, to understand that you are valuable to him. Hey, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It wasn't like, hey, we got all cleaned up and came to God, and God goes, hey, wow, you're so great. It was that God pursued us. God pursued Peter, and God pursues you. That still small voice that speaks in your heart sometimes, that's God drawing you to himself, inviting you into this relationship, his grace, his mercy, his love. And look at this one. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. Oh, it's so important. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Just as he told you. See, Peter denied Jesus three times. And yet his failures are not final. So often in our life we, we say, hey, well, I'm going to get serious about following God or I'm going to get involved in church. And then Satan come along and he kind of reminds us, hey, you remember what you did in college? <laughs> remember what you did before? And you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, forget it. And we think that our failures are final. Our failures are not final. Our mistakes are not fatal. No, 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 no. There is grace, incredible grace. You look at David in the Old Testament. I mean, David committed adultery and then murdered a guy, right? But then he repented and he came back to God. And at the end of his life, he was known as a man after God's heart. The Apostle Paul, he murdered Christians, okay? And then God redeemed him and restored him and used him to impact the world for Christ. And Peter, Peter, I'm not done with you. Peter, I love you. See, your best days are still ahead. Your best days are still ahead. Don't miss that. Sometimes we think, well, that past is the past, you know, or I was excited about Christ when I was a kid, or I used to go to church. No, no, no. Your best days are still ahead. Trust him. Look what it says in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork. If you study the Greek, this word literally means masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. Think about that. Out of 7.2 billion people in the world, there's no one exactly like you. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And God wants to use you. God wants to use you for his name and for his glory. And God is redeeming and restoring you. You know, if you go into John chapter 21, Jesus goes up to Galilee. He goes up after the resurrection. There's Peter out on a fishing boat going back to his old way of life. Peter was a fisherman at a fishing business and the disciples. And they're up there at Galilee and they're out on the boat fishing. And, and Jesus comes up. And he stands on the shore and these guys are like way out. And he calls out from the shore. Hey, guys, you caught anything? They don't even recognize it's Jesus. And they're kind of looking at each other like, dude, we've been out here all night, man. Who's that guy on the beach? You're like, what's he talking about? You know, like, hey, you caught anything? And they're like, no, thanks a lot. No, been out here all night, man, you know. Jesus is like, throw your nets on the other side. They're like, who's this guy? I mean, we've been throwing the nets on both sides all night, right? We've been all around this lake. There's nothing here. What in the world? One of the disciples goes, hey. Just try it. Just try it. What, what do we got to lose? And they throw their nets on the other side, and there's so many fish that they can't even hold it. I mean, they're like pulling the nets up. The nets are breaking. They're trying to get them in the fish. And I want to tell you, man, when you follow God, you trust him, you just get to see God do miracles. I'm going to tell you, hold on. Get ready. And, man, they're just trying to get these fish in the boat, and Peter's like, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And he dives out of the boat, and he just starts swimming to shore. He's swimming to shore, and he comes up on the shore, and he's all wet, right? And Jesus has a fire going, and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yes, yes, you know, I love you. Jesus goes, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He's like, yes, 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 yes. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Three times. And Peter's like, why didn't you ask me a third time? And Jesus goes, well, you deny me three times. I'm reinstating you three times. Do you love me? Yes, I love you, yes. Hey, feed my sheep. I've got a purpose for you, Peter. I'm not done with you, Peter. And you know what's awesome about this? is Peter then goes back to Jerusalem, right? And he's filled with the Holy Spirit right Acts chapter 2. He stands up just 40 days after the resurrection, after Peter is scared, after Peter is broken. He goes back and boldly stands up at the temple and begins to preach at Pentecost, and 3,000 people accept Christ. He becomes a leader in the early church. They start taking care of orphans and widows, and the gospel begins to spread all throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Instead of living in fear, he starts to live by faith. There is a transformation because of the resurrection. All those disciples, right, who were so scared and scattered after the resurrection, they live for Jesus, and this movement has come all the way to us. Today, over 2 billion people confessing the name of Jesus. What does God want to do through you? How can God use you and your family? You could change your family tree. Maybe you didn't have great role models growing up. Maybe you struggled. But listen, you can change the family tree. You can make a difference in your family. You can make a difference in your community. You can make a difference in your church. You can make a difference for the glory of God. This is your time. Peter and the disciples had their time. And man, they were bold. And we've got our time. It's right now. I want to tell you, there's another thing we see about the resurrection. And there is eternal life. Death. The big bully on the block for which everyone was scared, Jesus conquered it. Jesus conquered it. And now, you don't have to be scared. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. Death is not the end of the story with God. There is more to come. There is more life to come. And that's what you see. This life moves into eternal life. If you are in Christ, you commit your life to him, to follow him, 
I want to tell you, we get some time on this earth, but it's a vapor. It goes like that. But eternity is to come. You know, these last two years have been challenging for everybody, right? Everybody in the world has been so tough. And yet God has been in the middle of everything. And I want you to hear today from a family in our church who went through a tough time and just see what God has done even in their own story. Watch this. I'm Misty Woodford. I was married to Jeff Woodford for 17 years. We actually met at church. We got married in May of 2004. The whole time we've been at Rolling Hills, he's been at the preschool welcome desk wearing a big orange shirt. He was such a big and lively personality, just such a huge part of the church and such a great role model for me, even in the tough love, but also making me laugh and just gave the best hugs on planet Earth. <laughs> So February 15th, um, Jeff went to the hospital, my husband, with COVID symptoms. He had been suffering at home for a week, um, got a breathing treatment. They sent him home, went back the following day because he was getting worse. Um, the day after that, on February 17th, he um, was moved to the ICU. They decided he needed to be put on a ventilator. And then on March 4th, we life-lighted Jeff to Centennial Medical Center where he was put on ECMO treatment, which is a heart-lung bypass oxygen-adjacent treatment. Um, was also on kidney dialysis there. He got much better. During the kids' spring break, the kids actually got to see him for the first time in over a month. Had a great day at the hospital. He was really alert, doing super well. March 19th, um, we started talking about his discharge plan. March 21st, the oxygenator on his ECMO machine failed. They changed that out early in the day on the 21st. It was considered successful surgery. All of his vitals looked good. And then the next morning on the 22nd, the doctors were making rounds and asked me if he had had any response to me yet that day. And I was like, no. They said, well, we want to do a CT scan just to make sure. An hour later, Dr. John Adams came walking down the hallway and I knew from the look on his face what he was getting ready to tell me. And he said it was the worst aneurysm and brain bleed he had ever seen. I called Pastor Jeff and talked about what we should do about the kids and made the decision to let the day that they had seen him over spring break be their last memory. And then we went to school and had to tell the kids that their daddy wasn't coming home. Nobody thinks they're going to be a widow and single mom at 42. Like, I have a plan A, B, and C for life, and that wasn't part of any of those. Over the summer, as things calmed down, I would say that's when the true grief just set in, and you're like, oh, this is a lot. If people are asking how to do church, they just need to see how our church has surrounded us. I mean, the church walked the whole journey with us. They. They didn't just show up. They were, you know, walking beside us. They carried us. There are multiple families at Rolling Hills because they saw the way our family was left through this. You know, one of my favorite songs is The Cross Has the Final Word. But the cross didn't have the final word. If the cross had the final word, it ends in death. The empty tomb had the final word. 
when my dad was in the hospital, like his second day, the verse he got on his like Bible app was John 11, four, and it says, but the sickness will not end in death, but it'll be used for the glory of God so that God's son may be glorified through it. And we took that as he's not gonna die. This is not gonna kill him. And so the day he passed away, we were just sitting there in silence and there was tears and there was just such a heaviness. And then for some reason, I just said, you know, death did not win. His earthly body may have stopped breathing, but he continues to be alive and live and has the breath of life in him in heaven. That's eternity. That's what made my dad who he is. And I just think that's what the Easter story is. And I have it too, and I can continue to live out his legacy and it will not die because it has the message and testimony to Jesus in it, which is everlasting. I love this family. And to hear Alexa Kate, 14, say, death didn't win. I'll see my dad again. Death didn't win. It doesn't have the final word. God has the final word. And there is the resurrection. There is eternal life. And we'll be with Jeff Woodford. We'll be with Peter. We'll be with the disciples who had their day and their generation. The question is this for all of us. What do we do with the time we've been given? You know, we don't know, right? We're not promised tomorrow. We're... We all get 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, but at some point, right, the mortality rate's 100%. At some point, God's going to call us home. But what do you do with this time? How do you live in this time, this moment? First, have you accepted Christ? Have you said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life? I, I can't do it on my own. I need you. Forgive my sins. Redeem me. Restore me. Maybe God's calling you and say, hey, be the husband. Be the father. Pour into the people around you. Be the wife. Be the mom. Be the student. Make the most of every day, every moment that God has you here. Because one day he'll call us home. And in heaven, there is no pain. There is no suffering. There is no sin. But until that day comes, in the middle of all this, let's live it for Jesus. Let's live it for him. Let's don't get distracted by the crowd. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. Just say, God, I want to live for you. I want to live for you. You know what? Easter's not the end. Easter's the beginning. Easter's the beginning of life that is truly life. And so what is your next step? What is your next step? Spiritually, how are you growing? And maybe for you it is salvation. I want to become a Christ follower. Today is it. I'm taking a step of faith. Maybe for you it's baptism. You saw those being baptized today. You're like, that's me. I need to do that. I've made a commitment to Christ, but I've never followed in baptism. But maybe for you, today is like, hey, I'm going to work on my marriage. I want to tell the people around me I love them. Maybe I've let anger or fear or doubt or disappointment guard my judgment. But today, I want to live for Jesus. I want to experience hope. I want to experience joy. I want to experience peace. Jesus, come into my heart, in my life. Let me experience you. You know, on your worship guide, there's this connection card. And I just want to call your attention to it. There should be one all around. There's pins around. And on the back of that card, there's an A, B, C, or D. And it's interesting how we'll go to a financial advisor to kind of assess where we are financially, or we'll go to a counselor, or we'll go to see kind of where we are emotionally, or we'll go to a, an academic advisor to see where we are in school or insurance. But spiritually, a lot of times we just kind of drift along. 
But today, would you stop just for a moment and say, wait, Easter's about Jesus, but it's also about me. I don't want to forget about me today. God, what are you saying to me? What are the areas in my life, God, that I need to be more like you? And maybe you want to say today, I want to accept Christ. I'm doing it. Putting a stake in the ground. Easter 22. Man, it's going to be the greatest day of my life. Or maybe it's B. I'm, I want to be baptized. Or maybe C. I'm, I'm a committed Christ follower, but there's some things I, I want to work on in my marriage and my family, but the people around me. Or D. I don't know. But I'd love to talk to a pastor. I'd love to have coffee or lunch. I'd love to just have these spiritual questions. Get them answered. This is so important. This impacts eternity. Our life on this earth is like that. It is short. But eternity lasts forever. Let's invest in the things that matter. And know this. Whatever you're facing in your life, our God is greater. Easter shows us that our God is greater. If our God can raise a dead Jesus, he can raise a dead you. He can raise a dead marriage. He can raise a dead dream. He can raise a dead family. Our God is a God of miracles. That's what Easter is all about. Don't miss him today. God is here, and he's here for you. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. What's God saying to you today? Not to everybody else, to you. Maybe today's the day of salvation. You go, Jesus, would you come into my heart and my life? Would you forgive me? God, I want to have eternal life with you. Maybe today God's speaking to you about baptism or joining the church, not going through life alone. Maybe there's an area of your life you've just kind of been running away from God. But today you know God's pursuing you. He's drawing you back. Maybe there's a relationship that you need to work on, right? Marriage, friendship, child. Today is a day of miracles. Today is a day when God shows up and shows out. And God is here right now. So Father God, meet us in this moment and change us forever. Let us be Easter people every day. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, you've got a purpose for every one of our lives. Don't let us miss it. Let us live our lives fully for you, God. For your name and for your glory. Let us make a difference in our day and our generation, Father point others to you. So God, we commit our lives to you today, new and afresh. Thank you for Easter. Thank you for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow. Praise be to God. Our Jesus is alive. This time I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in God's kingdom and for God's glory. If you filled out that connection card, just drop it in the basket as it comes by. This is a great opportunity for if you're a first-time guest, for us to follow up with you. If you have a prayer request, you can drop that in. If you're online, you can go in the chat room. Let us know about a prayer request, or you can go on the website. And if you filled out that card, marked A, B, C, or D, just drop that in right now. This is also a time when we give an offering. You know, the gifts that you give, they make a difference right here in our own community, but also around the world. Uh, we work in Moldova, and we do Justice and Mercy International there, and we've been working with Ukrainian refugees from all over, and and you guys, just the generosity of God's people here through JMI, we've been able to give over $300,000 to refugee relief. It's incredible. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Your generosity 
matters and it makes a difference. So let me say a short prayer. God, thank you. Everything we have comes from you. Thank you for an opportunity to give back to you. And God, we give financially, but God, we give our hearts, our lives. Father, we want to live life on purpose. So take what is given today, bless it, and use us to be a blessing to others. In your name we pray and we give. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If this podcast episode has blessed you in some way, we hope you will tell a friend about us and subscribe so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Be sure to explore other great podcasts like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. See you next time, and God bless.